You're about to listen to a true story told live because this is True Stories Live. Brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. Hello. You couldn't write it. No. Well, picture this. Idyllic, snowy, Austrian scene. Having a family get-together, just a small family, not the usual lot. Christmas do in Austria, just a few of us. It was beautiful, fabulous. Time to come home. Get to Munich Airport. Go through customs. I hand my passport over. This guy with an absolutely expressionless face takes my passport, looks at me, looks at it, feeds it into some sort of machine, presses a button under the counter, and I hear movement behind me. I look round and there's three armed guards with machine guns pointed at me. And I thought, what? (laughs) And I'm going, what's wrong? I thought, this is bizarre. I haven't been drinking, it's just nothing. And I'm going, what's wrong? He won't look at me. He feeds my my, um, passport into some machine or other. He gets faxed things back. Obviously, going off to Interpol and all that sort of thing, you know, because I'm a very dangerous woman. And uh, and we just stood there, and I look at these guards, and I think, have you ever had a gun pointed at you? It is most unnerving, I have to say. And so there's my dear little mother stood next to me, and I'm going to, what's wrong? What What's happening? Why? She said, oh, it's all right, it's all right. And I thought... That's my mother. It's all right. Three armed guards. Let's not worry about it. It's life. So I stood there for ages and just probably just 20 minutes. But you know in films where you're shouting, don't run. God, I really wanted to run. And I thought, no, that's the most ridiculous idea I've heard of, Ruth. Just stay where you are. This is the 70s, right? So suddenly, these three lower their guns and step back, and Brunhilde comes up the end of the corridor. She was frightening, and she's going... And I'm thinking, you are not... No, you're not. You're definitely not going to do that. (laughs) So I sort of go down the corridor towards her, and I think, if she strip-searches me, I'm, I'm going to lose it. Anyway, she sort of looked in my bags, patted down my clothes, and that was it. And then we just stood there looking at each other for another 15, 20 minutes. Okay, fine. And eventually she just opens the door and says, so I go. So I'm stood there, and my mother comes through, and I say, what was that all about? She said, oh, there was a wanted poster on the wall for the Bader-Meinhof gang, and you look just like the leader. Oh, and 
so, okay, so this is only the beginning of the story. <laughs> you wouldn't think things could get worse. Well, okay. So then we receive a message that our plane hasn't left Gatwick. Okay. So they give us a free meal and there's drinks and all that sort of stuff. And about six hours later comes the joyful announcement, we've managed to find you a plane. And I thought, yeah, where from? So out we go onto the runway. Now at the time in the 70s, there was a certain aeroplane called the Comet, was it? Something like that, that was being taken completely offline for being unsafe, and just taken out of service. So we go towards this plane, and I'm going to my father, that's a comet. That's a, that, that, no, they're not meant to be flying these things anymore. And he got near it, and it was absolutely dented all over the place, where birds and some machine guns were all lined. Anyway, and I thought, are we really getting on that? So we get on that. Right, so... You have to imagine six hours worth of drinking for the young louts that were on the plane. So we had them singing, jumping about, this, that and the other, the whole way through. We get a little announcement from this pleasant captain. Um, we can't land at Gatwick, we'll be landing at Newcastle. <laughs> what? Okay, fine. Next. About sort of 15 minutes later, no, no, we'll be landing at Liverpool. No, we can't land at Liverpool, we'll be. And there was, I think, four or five times where they changed the airport where we would be landing. And I'm sort of thinking, this day's going well. And <laughs> so there we all are. And I'm getting quite stressed by this. I hate that word. But yeah, I am really getting slightly uptight by now. And I'm thinking, please, can we just crash now and get it over and done with? Because I have had enough of this. So anyway, eventually we suddenly get, oh, they've cleared a runway at Gatwick Airport. And I thought, just one runway. Oh, thank you so much. So we actually land quite nicely. But then we can't get out of the aeroplane. And I'm thinking, this day is really going well. So then we hear an acetylene torch start up. <laughs> as they try to open the door. <laughs> and I was sat there and I thought, we're on ground. We're on firm ground, fine. And before we get out of the plane, the plane says, the captain says, um, bear in mind, this is very icy, so mind your where you stand. Don't walk under the wings. Okay. So out we troops, and of course we all look right under the wings. And there's icicles that are three or four foot long with a really thick body. And I thought, how the hell did we stay in the air? So you might think that's the end. Oh, no. Uh, so get in the car at Gatwick. I mean, I didn't care if we landed at Newcastle and the car was in Gatwick. I just wanted to get on the earth. So we start 
driving across, or I drive across London, which has turned into a skating rink. Oh, well, this is fascinating. I don't mind driving on ice. ice. I quite enjoy it. So I'm, I'm sat at a traffic light, and there's an articulated lorry coming up to my left that starts to jackknife. And I'm thinking, I know the lights are red, but I think I will go. Um, so I put my foot down very gently and wheels just spin and they spin and they spin and I thought any minute they've got to get a grip and I will get out the way of this lorry that's looking like it could right the car off any minute and eventually I get off I go fine so that's that bit I've got through London I quite like driving on ice it's fun um so then we hit the dual carriageway. The snow is coming straight at you. You know the sort when no matter how often you put the window screen wipers on, you can't see where you're going. The snow was so deep that it was straight across the central barrier, straight across the road, straight across the ditch, straight across the fields. So you had no idea where you were driving. And I, so I was gingerly going forward, hoping to hell something would come the other way and let me know that I was actually still on the dual carriageway and hadn't bypassed a ditch and gone into Farmer Giles's feed, field even. So after all this that's gone on, I start to get really tired. So I fall asleep at the wheel several times. And I'm just saying to my parents, I said, can I just just have 10 minutes and then I'll be fine? No, we have to keep going. Yeah, but I really need to go to sleep. So my father says, oh, I'll drive for a bit. Oh, thank you, Dad. Well, he's got no eyesight in one eye and very little eyesight in the other eye. Hasn't driven for about 15, 20 years. But I'm so grateful that I agree to it. And then... Instead of keeping a straight line, somehow he was sort of doing this, and that woke me up. That woke me up. So I said, no, it's all right, Dad, I'll, <laughs> I'll get... I said, just hit me every time I fall asleep. And we did get home, but I have to say, I will never forget that New Year's Eve. What a bummer. <laughs> <laughs> True Stories Live is a story show and story finding project brought to you by LJ Hope Productions, Norwich Arts Centre and me, Molly Naylor. For more information about all of the work that we do, head to our website truestorieslive.co.uk.